Hi, I'm Caitlin. Hi, I'm Rebecca. We're not from Memphis, but we love it. Welcome to Memphis Type History, the podcast. Hi, Caitlin. Hi. It's been a while. It sure has. Lots happened. And now we're getting ready to launch this thing, which by now this is probably a big ep- or like episode, what, 15 or something? <laughs> yeah, it's been launched for like months and months and people are like, what, why are you talking about launching? But in fact, in, in real life, in real time right now, we are getting ready to launch this thing, finally. Yeah. I've been working on it for a long time. <laughs> it's going to be kind of weird once it's like actually out there. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> I take it one day at a time. I have no, I can't, I can't visualize the future. <laughs> well, how about, would you like to visualize the past? Yes. Let's go back okay. into the past, Caitlin. Let's go back into the past and uh, let's do a Memphis type history podcast episode. All right. That's what this is. Everybody, if you're just tuning in, this yes. is Memphis type history, the podcast. And we like to just go get right into it. And so, yeah, we don't I'm even introduce Rebecca. who we are. Oh, no, we don't. You're right. Uh-uh. Well, I'm Caitlin. And I'm Rebecca. Right. There's a special treat for y'all today. Yeah. An actual introduction. Yeah, we just dive right in. But I like that. I'm like, I listen to podcasts. I'm just ready. Just, Let's do it. Let's start talking. So today, I'm going to tell you about riverboats. All right. I because, like riverboats. Yes. Steamboats, riverboats, paddle wheels, whatever you want to call them. They're really important. Mississippi River and Memphis. And one of the reasons that I want to talk about riverboats, and I like them so much, is because of a man named John Hartford. Harvard? Hartford. Hartford. Okay. Who's John? John is the singer of this song. I bet if y'all own all the graph records. I like his voice. I submit this song to you as a public service. <laughs> Thanks, John. Public service. It's it's so great. Don't leave your records in the sun. Really, what year is this? I don't know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> is that not the greatest thing? Wait. Wow. Yeah, what year was that song? This recording, which for anyone listening, uh, I played Rebecca about a minute of a John Hartford song called Don't Leave Your Records in the Sun, which would be in the show notes, especially because I'm not sure if you actually can hear any of that for like legal reasons. So if you heard nothing, it's in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> this video is from a show. In 1981 or 1982, one of them. Okay. Don't leave your records in the sun. That's very wise information. It is very wise because they just won't play. Just won't play. 
just won't play, just won't play, just won't play, just won't play, just won't play. You could keep going. No more. <laughs> yeah, I could keep going. So that was John Hartford is a bluegrass artist, which you might have been able to tell from that little track. Mm-hmm. And he was my first concert to ever attend. Really? Yes. I was a very small child. I'm not even sure how old I was. I was a very small child. And uh, my parents took me, and I believe my brother as well. And they're, they're, they're big fans. He's, John Hartford has since passed away, but they remain big fans. They're big fans. I listened to like those songs growing up. And yeah, we went to this concert. And I just remember he used to do this thing where he would put sand on a piece of like plywood or something, whatever those big square pieces of wood, I don't know. And like do some kind of tap dance jig on it to like go along with the song. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. And he played like banjo fiddle and his lyrics were real funny. And like, I say real funny. Some of them are real funny, like that song. Yeah. And then some of them are like really meaningful, like very poetic. He won three Grammys for the song Gentle on My Mind. Okay. Which you're probably familiar with. Um, I might have as to hear a it. classic country song. And I'll put it in the show notes. I don't have it queued up. And I'm also going to post a song called, there's going to be a lot of John Hartford on the show notes, but we're getting, we're getting around. This is the inspiration for today's episode. (laughs) There's also a song called the Julie. Did he perform on a showboat that you attended? Even better. Okay. So there's also a song that I've always loved called the Julia Bell Swain. And that is the name of the steamboat that he would pilot in the summers. Oh, he drove a boat. He did. Do you know if he also performed on those boats? Like he put the boat on autopilot and kick it to the back? I don't think you can put a, I don't think you can put a steamboat on autopilot. They're very hard to drive. Mm. Do they have a co-pilot or sorry, co, what would they be called? A first officer? Officer? No. Captain. Captain. First off, no, the captain is the main guy. He was the captain. Maybe if, is it a first officer? So co-captain? I don't know. Or co-pilot, co-captain. So unfortunately, I can't really talk about it a ton more because his home was actually located in Madison, Tennessee, but not Memphis. And so I just am talking about him because he's the inspiration for wanting to talk about steamboats. And he did pilot them. He's saying about them a lot. And he actually lived, his house was on this bend on the Cumberland River, and it was known as Hartford's Bend or John Hartford Point. Oh, nice. And he used to chat on the radio with other captains when they came by. So, oh, and his uh, deck was like a ship deck. Oh, like from his home? <laughs> yeah. Isn't that cool? It is. So here's a quote from him, a real live steamboat captain. Working as a pilot is a labor of love. After a while, it becomes a metaphor for a whole lot of things. And I find for some mysterious reason that if I stay in touch with it, things seem to work out all right. Oh, just stick with it. Yeah. So I'm also from Greenville, Mississippi, which also has a lot to do with Mississippi River. Mm -hmm. It's another port city. And our welcome center was always someplace I loved to go as a kid because it was a paddleboat. The whole welcome center was a power boat? A paddle boat. Oh, sorry, paddle? 
like a steamboat with the, you know, the big, they have the big like turn on the back, not the, the one that you personally paddle with your feet. Right. No, yes. Because no, those are one. also called paddle boats. Oh, you're right. Yes. We got to make sure we're on radio here. We got to make sure these are right visuals. <laughs> Sorry. I mean to say paddle wheel. Is that what it's called? Paddle, paddle wheel. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Paddle those wheel. Those are fun. A working one. Was it on the water and, and, uh, or just built on the land on, to look like a paddle wheel? It was half on land. And then the paddle wheel part was in a very shallow pond with goldfish you could feed. Okay. So not so nicely done architecturally. <laughs> yeah. Okay. With goldfish. Yeah, it was fun. It was that does fun. Sound so, fun. Is it still there? Do you know? I haven't been there in so many years, but I assume it would be still there. I hope someone chimes in and oh. tells us about it. Yeah, if someone is listening to this who goes to Greenville feel free to let us know <laughs> and tell us anything else about it. send her a Greenville report. Yes. Report back with a photo. Cause I don't know anything. Yeah. Report back. Send us a photo. Yeah. That'd be cool. All right. So here's a brief history of river boats on the mighty Mississippi. Steamboats really played a major role in the 19th century development of the river and its tributaries. Uh, so like the offshoots of the river because they moved a ton of passengers and a ton of freight and it could go up and down the river. They are strong enough to go against wow. the current. Yeah. And they can also go in shallow water, yeah. which I guess is how they ended up going the tributaries and stuff too. So maybe it could, maybe it could go in that pond with the goldfish. <laughs> maybe it's actually physically possible. So because of that, I mean, they really like, as soon as that technology came about, it just, the river transportation exploded. The Orleans, which I assume that's how you say it, because it's for New Orleans, New Orleans, the Orleans, the Orleans, the Orleans, the Orleans, uh, Orleans, the Orleans. Uh, <laughs> that, that boat, <laughs> whatever, yeah, was the first Mississippi steamboat built in, 19, in 1811. Wow, these are old. And yeah, it launched from Pittsburgh. And from what I can tell, it worked okay, but there were some design flaws. And so they kind of went back to the drawing board a little bit. And I just really like, I'm not going to go into like all the nitty gritty about what the next ones were like, because there's like all these small differences I don't really understand, but I do like the names of them. So I'm going to tell you the names. The Comet. Because it went fast. (laughs) I guess. I mean, not to us now, I suppose, but back then. The Vesuvius. 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 Was that one German? No, I think it's like that volcano, Mount Vesuvius. Uh Yeah. So that one was pretty um, explosive. Okay. Yeah. The Enterprise. Because it is Star Trek related. Yes. And in fact, the Enterprise was the only one to boldly go where no man had gone. Yeah. But, you know, Star Trek came after this, so I think Star Trek was really influenced by the steamboat now. <laughs> surely, yeah. surely. The last one's boring, called the Washington. Washington, oh. named after the president. Sure. Sure, sure. They were made of wood and also fueled by wood at first. Oh, nice. Which sounds troubling to me, but yeah. <laughs> to be in a boat that's fueled by the same materials that it's built on. Of. But then they switched to coal. 
Yeah. Okay. So on in 1810, there were 20 boats on the river. By the 1830s, there were over 1,200. What? Yeah. And each boat lasted about five years on average because they were made of wood. So they would get breached or there'd yeah. be like poor maintenance on them, you know, so they'd fall into disrepair. They'd, they'd catch on fire or just the general wear and tear would get them. And then there was also the common problem of boiler explosions. Wow. Yeah. The common problem. Yeah. A lot of people died in them too. Like they were just, Yeah. Is and but it didn't matter. Like this was a, a big transportation for freights and yeah. people. Did it anyway. So to go up the Mississippi River to Ohio took three weeks, and it did get better though because they started to get better pilots. The engines and boilers became more powerful. They kind of went in the river and took out a lot of obstacles. I guess like maybe like fallen trees and. Like okay. crash boats. I don't know. Yeah, that makes sense. And then people started to learn the river better. So like captains who'd been going back and forth a lot kind of learned where their sand beds were, stuff like that. And so all of that, like learning about being better boatmen reduced yeah. that trip down to four days from three weeks. What? Isn't that crazy? What do you what do you use the time span between that? We know it started in the eighteen early eighteen hundreds. Was this by finally by the 1900s or like way sooner than that? Like it only took 20 years. I don't think it took very long because really they stopped using them in the early 20th century. Okay. They're or like they got phased out. They didn't really stop. Mm-hmm. But so I think it's probably maybe the 1850s to 60s. Okay. They got which is when like they got that, right. <laughs> Their larger sum when they boomed to like the 1200s. Yeah. Or maybe maybe it might have been late 1800s because we have the Civil War in there. And there may not have actually been much improvement going on at that point. I'm not sure. Yeah. So it might have been late 1800s. But some I don't know the date exactly, unfortunately. But at some point, they get to four days. Yeah. Or just like the span. Like they were so well accepted that it didn't take long for them to and advance their machinery you know like this is Mm. the best method so you know it just takes a couple years before we learn we got to clear out the rivers and boost our boilers or whatever yeah because really like railroad like the trains came into the picture later so like this was the main way to move a lot of people and move a lot of stuff so this is what their big focus was on yeah all right so memphis was a major port Mostly as a slave port, that's kind of more what it was known for. A lot of cotton and everything else came, and hardwood came through, but it was kind of like one of the main slave ports, which is sad, of course. Mm-hmm. But that's that's why that big Civil War battle kind of went down there. You know, you've seen the pictures of like people watching that battle on the river. I've heard about it. You know, I don't downtown. know that I've heard. I've seen pictures of it though. Yeah, there's like some picture of like a painting or like one of those lithographs or something that I've seen. Obviously not a real picture, but like a, right. a like one of those a sketch or something. Yeah. And it's all these people watching. And that so that is the first Battle of Memphis, which was on June sixth, eighteen sixty two. And that was on the river and people were watching from the bluffs. 
And so they were fighting over the port in Memphis. And that is when the rebels lost. And so the Confederate naval presence on the river was pretty much done with after that battle. And so I found an interesting fact as well that this was the last time that civilians without military experience commanded ships during combat. Oh. So I guess people were just jumping in on those steamboats. Yeah, <laughs> sounds like it. I'm sure there's someone who knows a lot more about this battle that can tell us some, we could probably do a whole episode on it, I'm sure. Huh. And another steamboat-related fact from Memphis is Tom Lee Park, uh-huh. which is on the riverfront is named after an African-American river worker who could not swim, but still single-handedly rescued 32 people who were drowning from the M.E. Norman in 1925. Really? M.E. Norman, I assume, is the name of one of the steamboats? That is the steamboat, yes. Okay. Yeah. Couldn't swim, 32 people. I've seen that. I mean, I've read that on on the statue before, the monument or whatever. Steamboat life could get exciting sometimes. It wasn't just all haul and cargo. There's a lot of gambling. Oh, gambling. A lot of gambling. Yeah. Which continues to this day with the many docked casinos along the Mississippi River yes. in the style oh, yeah. of a steamboat. I've seen one on in St. Louis. Looks very yeah, showy. Greenville has some. Yeah. <laughs> they would race each other. The steamboats? Yeah. It just that's Sounds funny. I don't know why. It, I bet it's a really slow race to watch. I think it was like days. Like how many days did it take this boat versus that? That makes more sense. Somewhere. So I guess it's really more of a test of like. Definitely no Tokyo Drift style happening on the river. <laughs> no. Not possible. It was like um, probably a test of like, is your boat built well? And then also like your navigation skills. Yes. Lots of races. And there were lots of stats and I decided to leave them out because we don't know one boat from another. So I don't care which one won which race. They, but they did. Either, so I left it out. Now they care deeply. Yeah, they did. <laughs> they got to keep something um, getting them motivated staying on that river for so long. I know, right? And another thing that I hadn't really thought about until I was researching this. So the pilots had to learn from experience because before this, like people were not you mean the captains? I think they're the same. I think you can say either one. Okay, go ahead. So, like, they were also sort of like explorers. Yeah. Which I hadn't really thought about, but they were really, like, before them, the only boats that were on the river were, like, I guess, whatever, like, Hernando de Soto came on, which is totally different than a steamboat and totally different purpose. So, they didn't have, like, maps and, you know, this sandbar is here and this is a, like really heavy current or whatever. Yeah. They were learning it as they went. So the more experienced ones knew more about the river. Right. So they had to memorize stuff like snags, rocks, sandbars, landmarks, how deep the water was at different points, how strong the current was in different areas. And all that even would change. So you also right. had to like have a good gut feel of like how the boat felt. Yes. And like you would have to really just learn your color boat. Of the water. Yeah. And like all that stuff. Like um, what does this kind of ripple mean? What does this kind of swirl in the water mean? What does this color mean? Because huh. even if you knew all the sandbars and stuff, like that would change or like the current would push you. I don't it seems it's crazy to me. I hadn't really thought about it. Yeah. <laughs> 
And this river, the Mississippi River is massive. Like we we have yeah. to remember this is a wide and powerful river. So I'm sure it can feel um, intimidating at times or like you definitely need to know what you're riding on just as much as the ocean, I'm sure. Well, at least you can get to land with the river. Never mind. Yeah, but I think it might even be but the current, man. Like you have shallows and current and stuff in the ocean. I mean, you could get lost on the ocean, but it's all deep pretty much, right? Yeah. Unless you hit an iceberg. That's true. You could always hit an iceberg. Could always hit an iceberg, no matter where you are. No matter happen. what kind of boat you have. <laughs> no matter what, even if it is too big to sink, it can sink. <laughs> yep. So the last kind of like fun fact about steamboat life mm -hmm. is I found this website that was really informative and really fun to read called captainjohn.org. And I, I don't know any sort of qualifications Captain John has to be talking about anything but it seemed like he knew a lot about steamboats so i read uh this fact and i'm going to share okay. it because i like it and he says that the number one breakfast drink in the 1800s during the riverboat glory, glory days taste. was beer beer okay. yeah for breakfast for breakfast yeah uh, all right uh all right <laughs> Maybe because they'd just so, been in the boat for a long time. They needed a bad drink. Yeah. Not my boat drink of choice, but hey, it's the 1800s. Yeah, and it was during the, so, the boat glory days. During the glory days. <laughs> so speaking of glory days, uh -huh. let's talk about the end of it. Yes. Oh, no. The, the end of the it The sad all. end. Okay. Yeah, it is sad. I like steamboats. So I kind of alluded to this, but you know, trains happen. Yeah, which trains are awesome. Trains are awesome, and people started riding them more. Mm -hmm. So steamboats were continued to be used for commerce. So like, you know, taking stuff up and down the river. Well into the early 20th century, but people really kind of stopped riding them. They rode trains instead. Yeah. Now, yeah. the the trains, I wonder if those didn't have as much problems as the steamboats did when the steamboats started. You know, like the boiler mm -hmm. didn't blow up. And Maybe we need to do a trains episode and see. We can compare. I kind of contrast. feel like how we do. Oh, my goodness. It is Memphis podcast. We have to do all the transportation about hubs. every form of transportation. Mm -hmm. We've mentioned so FedEx have, on we have, here. <laughs> yeah. We have planes, trains. Automobiles. Automobiles. And river. River? No, we'll boat. It's boat. it's run, run runway, river, roads, and rail. Ah, those are the four runway, runways. Runway, river, roads, and rail. It's also, I think, the Memphis tongue twister. Yeah, runway, river, roads, and rail. Runway, river, roads, and uh, I think that sounded beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, this is our river episode. Stay tuned for runway, rail. And road. Yes. Oh, we oh, did a we road did episode. Do We're done with that yeah, one. Yeah, we got yeah, some roads. Yeah, we did a road. <laughs> yeah. So. Unless we want to talk about more. the first automobile in Memphis. Oh, yeah. Do you know about it? 
I can make something up right now if you like, but I don't. No, no, I want it to be a real episode oh, right, if we can yeah. figure out about the first auto movie. Oh, I want a real story. I tell you, okay. Uh, this is a real history podcast. Yeah. What's wrong with you? <laughs> real imaginative at moments. Hmm. That's true. Some of this stuff might not really be facts. We think it is, but you know, yeah. you never know. History's tricky. Yeah. We do our best to get our info from reliable sources though. Not yeah. CNN. But sometimes we get on captainjack.org. <laughs> and I'm oh, sorry, Captain John. Captain, Captain John Jack is someone work. else. Yeah. <laughs> And sometimes we get facts from there. Yes. Oh, all right. So the real like thing that killed the steamboat though was the Great Depression. Oh. Yeah. So everyone save up your money. Shipbuilding. Yeah. But it well, actually it's kind of funny because like there was a growth of shipbuilding on the river because of the war. Okay. You know, you yeah. had the Great Depression and the war. And that gave rise to diesel tugboats. So, like, the Great Depression, I guess, like, kind of made it people weren't really shipping stuff. And then the war brought ships back and shipbuilding yeah. back. Because you hear of war bringing and helping bring income, too. Yeah. Yeah. And so, because we're in a war and coming out of the Depression, I don't know when the Great Depression was officially ended. But um, the these diesel tugboats needed much smaller crews so that was like cheaper obviously fewer people to pay and then wages also increased because of inflation mm-hmm. so you definitely need fewer people to pay and then after the war they had all these extra tugs and barges and steamboats were not only uneconomical by the late 1940s but they also like their technology wasn't a good competition because the, they were just so old compared to these diesel yeah. engines. Um, there are very few paddle wheelers today uh, that still run on steam power. They are, as of, I mean, I, well, I'm going to name these. Some of these might have already been like decommissioned. I didn't, I did not Google like each one individually to make sure you can that it's still running. Okay. Um, the Bell of Louisville. Okay. The Natchez. The Minnehaha, <laughs> the Ch- Chautauqua Bell, C H A U T A U Q U A Bell, Chautauqua Bell. Okay. It'll be in the show notes. I'll try to remember to put it in there. The Julia Bell Swain, which I've already mentioned. Yeah. And the American Queen. Which is located in our city. It is. We're coming full circle. We're coming around to Memphis. Yeah. So these boats are still running, but there are no more like overnight trips except with the permission of Congress as of 2008. Mm. But there are some boats I think where you can do overnight trips or like you, like Congress has said you could if the boat owners like started it. Yeah. So do you want to know a little bit about modern Memphis river boats and the situation there? Yeah. Have a little couple fun little things. So we're going to kind of just like jump over the American Queen a little bit. Um, We know it's there or whatever, but I'm not going to really talk about that because this is a little more interesting. Okay. I found some old uh, website material from Jimmy Ogle. Oh. We love. Yeah. Uh, So most all of this is from him and from the like Memphis Queen websites. Okay. It's a combination. So, you know, there are my citations. 
around the 1950s, mm-hmm. all the local activity around steamboats moved to President's Island. Where's that? It's uh, it's like there. At Mem- it's in Memphis. Okay, I've missed that. President's Island is the peninsula uh, in Southwest Memphis, oh. and it's that it's the that big industrial park, and it's the main port now. Oh, uh, yes. I know. Yes. Kind of closer towards the You've metal museum. Driven. Right? Or no? Um, like that area? Yeah, I think that's it down there. Let me look on the... Yeah, okay. So it's at exit 11. I guess this is 55. You can go on Mecklemore or you can go to President's Island. Okay. Mecklemore. That's where all the steamboat stuff went. Got so it. the port moved there. Okay. And it's still active. In 1955, Captain Ed Langford started the Memphis Queen Line. Uh, and that, those are the boats that have been there forever on the landing there, the cobblestone landing. Yeah. And they're the ones you can get on. Like I've done these, like I've done three of those barbecue music dinner cruises before. They're so oh, fun. Nice. And they play like whatever, like soul funk whatever type music you just dance and like eat bar it's like a basic barbecue buffet and like you go on the river it's i enjoy i went in college like three times for as a summer college counselor and we would take the high school kids there and i always had a blast i really enjoyed it yeah sounds fun so that memphis queen line started 1955 tom meanly was the part-time captain so there we go. Cap- maybe pilot or captain. I don't know what the difference is. <laughs> Personal preference. In 19... 19- yeah, maybe so. In 1960, Captain Langford's health began failing, and so Captain Tom bought the Memphis Queen line from him. Tom and his crew then built the Memphis Queen 3, and that was from 1977 to 1979. And then in 1982 to 1984, they built the Island Queen, both of them from scratch. Get this, though. The hull of the boat was built at, of both of those boats were built at Meanly Shipyard behind their house, which was at Shelby Drive in Whitehaven. Isn't that so crazy? They built a boat behind the house. (laughs) Very nice. And so it's so funny. A house moving company then took each boat 12 miles over land to McKellar Lake, and that's where they launched them. And then they towed them from there to the cobblestones. Wow. I never thought about the process. Yeah. I know, right? I 12 miles over land. I would just love to see like, oh, there's there's a giant boat <laughs> going down the road from Shelby Drive. Yeah. So they would finish it. They got both those boats up to the cobblestones and then they finished them there, like put on the decks and the smokestacks and the pilot house. Those all had to be like welded on. Yeah. And the last little thing is just about the cobblestones. I thought it was kind of neat because I remember like when I would come do those rides in college, you know, we would be all dressed up and stuff and we'd have to go down, uh, down the cobblestones, you know, like you go off the road down the cobblestones to get on the boat yeah. and you're in your heels and like all of that. <laughs> and it was always kind of difficult. <laughs> and I didn't know this, but those Cobblestones were built by immigrant laborers between the 1850s uh, to the 1890s. Okay. And the reason they've lasted, I mean, they're in terrible shape, but the reason they've lasted this long 
is because they were built to withstand the pressure of all that like cargo coming in and being carried like really heavy stuff that was carried by mules. <laughs> and having that, those cobblestones is another one of the reasons that Memphis became such an influential port city. It's because there is a great loading and unloading zone. Yeah. Well, look at that. And uh, they are, those cobblestones are the last remaining completely stone paved landing on any United States waterfront. Wow. And I found, this is really old, but I found a little thing that said a 1996 survey that was done estimated that there were over 800,000 of those original 1800s time cobblestones that's still on the landing. That's what historicmemphis.com said. And then basically... There's controversy over whether to restore them at all, or if so, how to restore them. So they just remain in disrepair, mm. even though they're the last remaining cobblestone landing oh, wow. of any United States waterfront. Oh. So get on down yeah, and look at them, guys. For sure. So, yeah, that's it. I'll put uh, links to more information, some pictures, and some songs, several songs by the great John Hartford <laughs> over on the show notes at memphistypehistory.com slash steamboats. Steamboats. And don't forget to not leave your records out in the sun. Don't do it. They just won't play. They just play. won't play. Hey, go support the show at patreon.com slash memphistypehistory. I, I wasn't, not you. You don't need to do that. Everyone else okay. needs to do that. <laughs> yes. I'll go do that right now. We have some merch. <laughs> we have some merch. You get some shirts. You get a Memphis mystery box. You can get goodwill and gratitude. You can get blooper reels from every episode. <laughs> Lots of other stuff that I'm sure is going down over there now by this point in time. That's very exciting. Yep. Oh, speak and pipe. speak pipe. Tell them about speak pipe. Well, um, let's say you had a great experience on a steamboat or have some information about the cobblestone, such as maybe it's from Liverpool, or perhaps you were captain yourself and tell us what your captain name is. Please let us know on speak pipe. How do you get there, Caitlin? You go to memphistypehistory.com and you can click on the link at the top that says Leave us a message. Yeah, it's going to say leave us a message or send us a message. It'll be something like that. It'll, it'll be clear. <laughs> or you can click on the button. on the If you look on your screen where the website is, about midway down on the right, there is a button that you can click. And it says something like, Leave us a voice. It's, it, just <laughs> click it. It's red or orange. It's one of those colors. <laughs> click it and it'll pull up a little thing and you can push record and send that story or correction or brief letter to the editor or uh, any general Memphis memory to us. And we might play yeah. it on the show. So be on the lookout. All right. That was- <laughs> I'm sure that that got everyone real excited about all this stuff. Oh, man. All right. Well, this is Memphis Type History, the podcast. We like your type. 
You've been listening to Memphis Type History, the podcast. It would mean so much to us if you head over to iTunes and give us a rating and review. Be sure to subscribe and never miss an episode. Want to be part of Memphis Type History and get behind the scenes content, merch, and more? Support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Memphis Type History. That's Patreon spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Memphis Type History. Find more Memphis Type History on our blog at memphistypehistory.com, on Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest as Memphis Type History, and on Twitter at Memphis Type. 